Welcome to Talking Health Tech. My name is Peter Birch, and this is a podcast of conversations with key players and influencers to promote innovation and collaboration for better healthcare enabled by technology. With me today is Edwina Wencart. She's the Managing Director of PenCS, who are delivering technology solutions for population health management in primary care. PenCS facilitates data sharing of over 22 million patient records per month across Australia. And this year, they were awarded as the Australian Digital Health Agency Innovation Challenge winner for the Outbreak Surveillance Program. Edwina is also a director of the company Care Monitor and Ocean Health Systems. She's a member of the MSIA, an associate fellow of the AIDH, and she holds an MBA from AGSM. Prior to joining PenCS, Edwina founded an award-winning marketing and PR agency called Suki in 2003 with clients including Volvo, University of Western Sydney and 20th Century Fox. And she even had a career in film production with some Hollywood celebs, which I'm sure we'll learn about a bit later on in the interview. Edwina, how are you? Hi, Peter. Thanks for having me. Good to have you. Thanks for lining this up. We've been meaning to have a conversation all year, so we've managed to get one in before the end of the year, which is great. So it's can tick that off for 2020. Really interesting to learn a bit more about yourself and PenCS and your background. So let's get stuck into it. Firstly, for you, tell us a bit more about yourself and your background, Edwina. Sure. I've got a really varied background. I actually started off studying psychology and Japanese at university, the University of Sydney. I always had a love for travel, like I love traveling. So when I lived in New York, I was living in Japan, and that's where I found my interest in the film industry. And the film industry was an incredible foundation because you crew up from not to a thousand crew members in a week. So operationally, you're exposed to very efficient, streamlined operations management. Uh, It's also all about cost control in film production. You get given a budget and it runs out. (laughs) So you have to optimize, you know, how you manage that budget. So I think those were two of the really key foundational learnings that I was able to bring with me to software development. And after working in film, you know, I kind of branched out and opened up my own PR and marketing agency, Suki. And that's because being in film production, you're traveling a lot. You know, you're usually on the road, you're shooting films in location, And I decided that it was time to do something where I could have a slightly more predictable year ahead of me. So I started up Suki and we've worked, you know, with so many different industries and clients and that cross-agency experience and cross-industry experience is absolutely beneficial in terms of being able to think laterally and apply, you know, what's working really well in one industry to another After having Suki, I decided we moved to San Francisco. I moved there with my husband and my family. And then we went traveling for about six months. We actually did the whole, let's put on the backpacks, take the kids on the road and and go six months around Central America. So very different kind of exposure before I finally came back to Australia and joined Penn in 2017. Wow, that's so cool. And the difference between what you were doing before and then moving into the world of healthcare, how did you bridge that gap? Yeah, at first it does seem quite alien, (laughs) but actually the more you start to look at things and the more you understand, you know, the way products are built and the way people are, the more you realize there's strong synergies. So in healthcare, you know, we're in software development, we're in technology, but first and foremost, we're in helping people, helping patients and supporting healthcare providers to motivate behavior change so that people are actually empowered to better manage their health. And so motivating behavior change is fundamental to the design of the software. 
and to everything that we need to create to be successful support for healthcare providers and healthcare professionals. So if we take a more concrete example and we're looking at building a new technology, it all starts off with the person. You know, what do they need? How do we help them? And then it really moves into the concept of, you know, how is the design of what we're doing helping And I kind of look at it like, you know, in film production, you start off with storyboards, you you have the script before that, then you move into the technology stage. With production, it's the same. You know, we start off with a problem statement. You need to come up with wireframes. You need to engage the different users or the, you know, the customers in workshopping and discovery and exploration workshops. And then you end up creating the final product, but it's only as good as its ability to be actually used on a day-to-day basis by those people that need it and that it will support. Yeah, my PR marketing background gave me that, I guess, exposure to motivated behaviour change and the film production really is operations and product development. Lovely. That's a good combination of those two very important areas. So then to PenCS specifically, what do you guys do and what are the services and products that are offered and what's the background all there? Penn's been... uh, it was founded in 1993, so we've got a strong tradition and foundation in healthcare in Australia. And right now we're working with 90% of primary health networks with over 6,000 general practices Australia-wide and Aboriginal medical services. We are focused on preventive health. So the tools that we make are all about supporting healthcare providers to improve patient outcomes. And, you know, the fundamental difference with what we do is that it's all data-driven improvement. So we very much look at Bodenheimer's 10 building blocks for high-performing primary care, of which one of the foundation blocks is data-driven improvement. Oh, interesting. Around data specifically in Australia, like the last couple of years, the PIPQI, the quality incentives that came out, there's a lot of data that's required to drive those incentives for GPs. Um, It'd be good if you could just tell us a bit more about the PIPQI program and how that all links in with what you guys do. PIPQI is the Practice Incentive Program for Quality Improvement and it was an initiative launched by the Department of Health last year and then kind of went into full force this year. And what's really interesting about this is that it's representing a legislation change in funding models for healthcare and this enables us to move from fee-to-service to to value-based care. So this is already happening in countries like the US and overseas where they have funding models that focus on outcome-based care. And PIPQI, in my view, is one of the first steps towards those new models of care. Do you think we'll get there? Like, is this going to be like that whole shift from episodic care and just remunerating based on consultations performed as opposed to, say, health outcomes? So do you think over a longer period of time, starting with PIPQI, that's the direction that we're going here in Australia? Yes, we will get there. And the reason we'll get there is that it didn't actually start with PIPQI. PIPQI was an official stamp, if you like, but if you look back at what the primary health networks have been doing since their inception, it's been focused on quality improvement. So the primary health networks have already been working for more than six years now um, with the general practices and Aboriginal medical services to focus on quality improvement. And PIPQI is really a way of creating a framework and new legislation for funding models. Got it. Okay. And so it's been in place since, like you said, officially last, well, no, it was implemented last year and then been in full force this year. Has there been any data or early indications to demonstrate the effectiveness of the program as yet? Uh, with regards to data, I think this is something people don't realise, but Penn doesn't hold any data. 
So we don't have a data warehouse. We're not holding PIQI data. Our role is to facilitate the transfer of data, secure healthcare data sharing for consented data. So what we do is we support practices to share data with their primary health network for PIQI. And in terms of, therefore, the transparency behind what's the data telling us, I'm not in a position to be able to respond to that because we don't actually see the data. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. So you're the train that takes the data from the clinicians through to the PHNs who then, you know, manage the whole process of the PIPQI. Yeah, we're like the 3D matrix code that like, you know, transfers things from one part of the globe to the other. <laughs> yeah, but you can't see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. I like it. I like it. PHN, so stepping back one, PHNs, that's something that is a really interesting concept here in Australia. Some people know of their existence, but not really sure what they do. Be great to get from your perspective, what are PHNs in Australia, how you guys work with them and all of that. Primary health networks were founded by the federal government just over six years ago. And the way that they work is that Australia is divided up into 31 geographic regions and each one has its own primary health network. Now, PHNs are designed to support population health management for primary care. So primary care includes allied health, general practices, aged care, pharmacy, Aboriginal medical services almost everything except hospital environments and hospital falls into acute care. PHNs really are all about understanding what do people in this catchment area need? Do I have a high proportion of people with diabetes? Is cardiovascular disease prominent? Are the raging bushfires going to cause an increase in people with asthma and COPD? So they're looking at a variety of different environmental factors and looking at, I guess, their clinical records to understand what's happening with the population and how can we provide better health care for this population. Got it. Okay. You mentioned you work with a lot of PHNs now. Like, Did you say 90% of PHNs in Australia? Yeah, we do. We're working with 28 out of the 31 at the moment. Wow. Good on you. In the past, I've tried to engage with PHNs and not, you know, pointing out anyone specifically, but it's not like it's this one group of people. Like they're each their own world and they're all at different levels. How have you gone about building those relationships with the PHNs? And I mean, I find they all work quite differently. What's your perspective? Primary health networks, I mean, each one is their own separate entity, but they have a lot of similarities too. Specifically, if you start looking at them on a state basis, and you know, this is where they're going to be guided by the different state, you know, governance and rules. Uh, so Victoria operates slightly differently to New South Wales. The other thing is that each PHN has to adjust to suit their local population. So if you're covering an area which has a large rural population, you're going to be managing the way that you work with practices and Aboriginal medical services differently to if you are looking after a more metropolitan area. So while primary health networks may seemingly be quite varied, I also think there are a lot of similarities. Interesting. Okay, cool. Back to this whole point around how you're facilitating that data from primary care through to the PHNs. That's through PenCat, is that right? So that like one particular product that you have? I mean, there's a few different things that PenCS do. Yeah, so we have a clinical audit tool, which has been, you know, trusted and loved by practice nurses and practice managers around Australia for about 15 years now. And we're in an exciting stage with that because we're currently, you know, looking at rebuilding that product. We're looking at taking it into the next 15 years and there'll be some really exciting changes that, you know, our customers will get to see over the coming year. We also have a clinical decision support tool called Top Bar. 
So top bar is quite different because top bar is all about the 15 minutes the doctor has during consultation. So what's the most important thing for the doctor right now for the patient sitting in front of them? And doctors don't have time to look at graphs and read reports and look up PDF files and work out which PDF file was the most important one. You know, they need something that's very simple and that can deliver the right information at the right time. And so that's something that sits alongside their practice management system that they're using in the clinic on a day-to-day to then fire up other tools and other things that would connect with their practice management system? Absolutely. Chapa is all around complementing the patient management system. So medical director, best practice, said med, you know, there's other patient management systems that we'll be creating interoperability with as well. And it's kind of like apps on your smartphone. The doctor gets to choose which apps they want to use. If they don't like the apps, they remove them. Um, Mm -hmm. It's very discreet. If there's a message, you'll see a little icon, but it's not going to be intrusive because we know that the patient management system and the patient record open is the key workflow for the doctor it's nice it's something they can customize and for pen and for doctors I mean we can't build everything ourselves so it's really important for us to collaborate across the industry and so we have partnerships a partner program and people can build their own apps on top by too Cool. And so it sounds like then there's a marketplace or something that those solutions would then be a part of with that partnership program. How does that all work? If there's a vendor out there that thinks, hey, our solution, it'd be great to be able to you know, roll that out through to GPs and a wider network as part of being on top bar, how would they go about that? We have an SDK, there's an API for top bar and get in touch with Penn and we'll show you how it works and we can set something up. Yeah, cool. So PenCS generally this year, 2020, what's this year been like? How have you guys adapted and changed throughout the year? Yeah, 2020 has been a really exciting year for Penn. And, you know, I know COVID's kind of hit us all square in the face. We've gone and through the whole work from home thing, but we're kind of already ready for that. At the end of last year, we'd already put in place an AI phone system for our support center. So it was very easy for people to move to soft phones. We've been through digital transformation inside the company, you know, in 2019, just moving everything. We did have, you know, a lot of paper-based systems. So over the last year, we'd actually moved. Our whole focus had been on, you know, digitally enabling our workforce and streamlining and creating more efficiency across our pipeline. This year has really been about focusing on our products and, you know, the next step for what we want to achieve. It's really been about transformation and culture at Penn, and that's been really exciting. We've got a really strong focus on human-centered design, and I think this concept of you know ideation and a whole approach to software is really what the biggest change has been internally at Penn. And because it takes time to produce the products, <laughs> the customers will get the benefit of that next year, but internally, that's been the big transformation for us. And so human-centered design, in the scenario of creating software for clinicians, what does that actually look like performing human-centered design around clinical solutions? Like what does that actually involve doing on a day-to-day? It's all about the PPT framework. So we're looking at people, process, technology. And the idea is that we really start off with understanding what does the customer need? What's their pain point? What solution are we solving? What use case does this apply to? So, you know, if we're helping people increase screening for bowel cancer, what does that mean? If we're helping find people with an indicated diagnosis of cardiovascular disease, what does that mean? If we're wanting to prevent avoidable hospitalization, how do we use predictive analytics to do that? 
And we know that, you know, there's about $4.5 billion in avoidable hospitalization each year in Australia. So if we can save even a percentage of that $4.5 billion, then we're reducing the cost to the healthcare system. Very cool. And so lastly then, Edwina, looking forward into 2021, what's on the horizon for you guys? What will you be working? What do we look forward to receiving from PenCS? 2021 is going to be all about bringing out some of our new products, which we're very excited about, but also moving into real-world evidence and clinical trials. And it's an area that we have been investigating for some time now. We're in discussions with, you know, many different potential partners on the best way to do this. And fundamentally, it's all about driving GP-led research and, you know, enabling patients to participate in clinical trials, which they can actually benefit from. Cool. And so that is that like a solution, like another product? What does that look like or is it still in the early stages? Yeah, it will, it will be a solution. <laughs> um, we're in early <laughs> yeah. stages now, but essentially, you know, we have a, a strong footprint to enable this type of application. And it's really about changing the way that we do research in Australia, changing the way that clinical trials happen and creating Australia as a hub for clinical trials and for real world evidence. And Australia is a more stable environment than other countries when, with regards to COVID. So Australia is looking very attractive at the moment for uh, international customers to come and conduct their trials here. And it's been difficult to do that up until these points. So we'd like to facilitate that as, you know, Australia being a destination for real world evidence, clinical trials. So cool. Looking forward to seeing how that plays out into 2021. You're in a good position to do that. Look, Edwina, thank you so much. I'm going to put some information about what you guys do in the show notes from this episode and people can get in touch, particularly those that uh, could be clinicians wanting to learn more or those software solutions looking to partner with you guys as part of Top Bar. So good luck with everything in 2021 and thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Peter. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Thanks for listening to Talking Health Tech. My name is Peter Birch. Make sure you go check out our website for all our resources, including this podcast and the largest directory of technology solutions available to Australian healthcare practitioners today. Until next time, I'm out of here.